This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Gordon Damer. Larry, how we feeling tonight? I think a lot of... I think a lot of fans of the basketball team here in New York, that the primary basketball team, even though yes. the Knicks weren't playing tonight, yes, I think that they're going to find some joy tonight. I'm just guessing. I've already heard some smack. Yeah. <laughs> I've already heard a little smack. Didn't take long. No, it didn't take long. It didn't take long. And what Gordon is referring to, of course, is the Nets losing in double overtime to Cleveland. Now, first of all, let's get some things out of the way. Number one, it's the first time that Kyrie Irving's played with the three. We know it's going to take time. Okay? We know. What was interesting, Gordon, was that one of the things that has been critical of this team just on paper is the fact that defensively they've got to do a better job in at least getting stops late in games and stopping runs. And with all due respect to Cleveland, I don't think they're going to shoot 50% from three every night. <laughs> no, that is true. And, and look, it is one game, uh, but facts don't really matter here, right? The, the the feeling about the Nets is based on emotions, I think, a lot, for, for the outsider, right? Like, for the person who wants to see the Nets do poorly, it's all based on the emotion of Kyrie and KD landing with that team instead of their team, James Harden forcing his way. So facts don't really apply. So the fact that it's only one game, that doesn't really matter. To watch the Nets have several opportunities to win the game in regulation Mm -hmm. at the end of the first overtime, Steve Nash deciding not to foul up three, uh, certainly some criticism there. And then to see, you know, not Kevin Durant, not Kyrie Irving, and not James Harden, but Colin Sexton (laughs) be the the player that is everyone's talking about uh, tonight. Uh, The concerns about the Nets' defense, I'll say, Nothing happened tonight <laughs> to uh, to allay those fears or whatever the, the phrase is. Uh, those fears are going to be right there front and center after giving up 147. Granted, it's double overtime, but it's the Cavaliers. Cavaliers are not exactly a great offense. No, they they are one. They're in the bottom part of the league offensively, Gordon. And you're right. It was the Colin Sexton show, 42 points. But also, there were a couple of other guys who had some pretty good games. Uh, people that, uh, you know, net fans may remember, like Torian Prince, mm-hmm. who had 17 points in 32 minutes. Uh, he was he was ready to play. And, of course, uh, the fro, Jared, Jared Allen. Allen did, a, did a nice job as well. Double-double, 12 points, yep. 11 boards. Four uh, blocks, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he did, uh, you know, they – you could see that on, when this gets going – because honestly, Gordon, the way the Nets played, they should have lost this game in regulation. <laughs> I mean, really, they could have. Yeah. But they got hot and they scored 35 points in the fourth quarter. And they just, you know, Durant just said, okay, let's, all right, let's stop playing around. He hit some baskets and Harden hit some baskets and Kyrie hit some baskets and they were winning this game. And then, you know, they just got careless late and. Now we go to overtime, and then we end up in double overtime, and it's just it, – it's like, wow. Yeah, Colin Sexton really put on a show. I think it was Larry Nance Jr. hit a big three at one point as well. So, um, look, it is one game. You're not going to get carried away. You know, they're, they're going to be able to score with anybody. I did think that the Nets actually were a little conscious of the fact that everybody thinks that they're going to be these three ball hogs on the team, and I, I felt like at times they were actually passing the ball too much. Yeah. Uh, earlier on in the game, not so much late. But, uh, look, you know, it'll take a little time. Kyrie has not played 
in, in a couple of weeks. So I don't know if conditioning was an issue tonight with 48 minutes and 37 points. But, uh, you know, it's one game. But that doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. When, when you're looking for joy to, to uh, find the other team go down, because it's not going to happen that often. I don't think the Nets are going to yeah. be a 500 team by the time we get to the midpoint of the season. So you got to take, your, you gotta take your, your joy where you can find it. And the first game back for Kyrie, I think a lot of Nick fans are going to find joy in the fact that they go down and, uh, and lose to Cleveland. Well, I'll say this. In 48 minutes tonight, he's back in shape. <laughs> yeah. Julius Randle is like, man, 48 minutes. Jeez, that's a lot of minutes. No, he's like. I'm, I'm getting tired just watching it. No, Julius Randle's like, that's what I play every night. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> so I know. Harden, 51 minutes, Durant, 50. Interesting that, and, and there was some talk, and I think uh, Tim Legler on the Michael K Show mentioned it earlier, that they were going to put the ball in uh, James Harden's hands, that he was going to be the guy running the offense. So Kyrie was good with that. He put up 28 shots. <laughs> so he's yeah, like, he certainly got his, you know, they certainly <laughs> fed him. And Harden was the guy who really sacrificed tonight. He only took 14. So 6 of 14 for 21 points. Uh, did have 12 assists, did have 10 rebounds. So Triple he did double. contribute. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, the story of the game is just not enough defense down the stretch. And, and when this trade was made – that was a concern, so it's not like this has just come out of the blue. And, uh, again, it is one game. You're not going to get carried away with it, but it is going to be something uh, interesting to watch here as uh, things move along. The other interesting thing for me, Gordon, was the fact that they decided, and I don't know if they'll continue to do this, but tonight they decided to bring Joe Harris off the bench. And he, 2 of 10, which is not, you know, this off-shooting right. night for him, but, you know, it's different coming off the bench. It's, it's when you've been the starter and you've been working with the group. And I know, once again, it doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, he, whenever he plays, and of course, you know, Gordon, it's the same old story. It's not who starts or who finishes the game. Right. But whenever he's out there, if he's out there with uh, Harden and Durant, he's going to have a lot of open shots. <laughs> he's got a field day with open yeah. shots. He had some open shot. I'm not sure if it was the, you know, some of it all t- runs together after a while. I'm not sure if it was yeah. the double overtime or the first overtime, but he had some open shots and just wasn't able to hit them. So, yeah, two of ten for him is a, is a bad night. And it just doesn't seem like, you know, it's, gonna, it's going to take a little bit of a process to figure out, you know, how these minutes are going to be divvied up. But I don't think that, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie and, and <laughs> James Harden are going to be playing this heavy. You're going to have to get some – some breathers on the bench a little bit more than uh, they did tonight. I mean, outside of uh, Joe Harris, there was not really a lot of you know minutes for anybody else. No, unless uh, Tom Thibodeau is making is making suggestions over there about right. <laughs> time. Sixteen games <laughs> into the season, we, we got our eight. We, you know, we got our eight, and we're going to run those eight out there. <laughs> we're shortening the bench early. Yes, yeah, shortening <laughs> the bench in January. That's right. We we know what we want, and that's what we're going to do. But it is, I tell you, though, it, it is interesting, and it's it's a work in progress, as we said, Gordon. It's going to be fascinating to see now what adjustments both teams make on the rematch because they play them again Friday. Yeah. So it is going to be interesting to see what, and I would suspect that, uh, you know, um, it might be a little different. I think the Nets, they would have woken the Nets up, and, you know, you go back, and once again, it is the first time Kyrie has played with this team on the floor not in practice and you know we'll 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 see how they go but uh a lot of lot of interesting things to see on on this on this game and if you're a nick fan you got a little you know you got a little smile oh so you think it's gonna be easy huh you can't beat the lakers playing like that you barely beat milwaukee like that oh you got to 
Some Nick fans are just talking a lot of smack. Me, you know, I, I don't even I'm think it's so quiet. much that the Nets lost. I think it's so much is that this was Kyrie's return, mm-hmm. and this is a loss. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I think that that, it, that that is where I think for a lot of fans that you know, hey, Kyrie finally shows up and all this kind of stuff, and you know, didn't really give any answers or anything mm-hmm. like that, and now he comes back and they lose a game to Cleveland. Yep. And, uh, you know, have to go double overtime and still lose the game to Cleveland. You know, you figure with the way the game uh, was winding down there in regulation, the call that was on Kyrie that gets reversed, you figure, all right, you go to overtime. The better team is usually going to win. That's had the big fourth quarter. You would think that they had the momentum, but uh, mm-hmm. that did not turn out to be the case. It did not. It did not. And in the, and in the second overtime, they were done. <laughs> yes, they were. They were toasty toast. Yep, absolutely. They were done. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll get your thoughts on the Nets and what you've seen from them with Kyrie's return. And a little later in the show, Gordon, we'll talk a little football. We got championship weekend coming up. We've got all the conversation. I mean, I heard Carlin talking about the Rivers and. Manning and Eli and Peyton oh, and have, all this stuff. I have, oh, you know, man. I don't know if Carlin brought this up, but I heard people today comparing Philip Rivers to Dan Marino. <laughs> I will I'm not. Sorry. I will. I will die on that. I will be damned if anybody is going to make that comparison on my no, watch. I am sorry. Compar- you can't make that comparison. No, you can't make that comparison. The only people who make that comparison were not alive to see Dan Marino play. No, you Please. Can't make that comparison. Dan Marino is just because he he just because he only got the one Super Bowl doesn't yeah. mean he was not a phenomenal quarterback. He was tremendous. Another quarterback the Jets could have had it didn't do. Unbelievable. Getting your thoughts on um, Kyrie's first game back. I mean, offensively he looked pretty good. I mean, he was able to put the ball in the basket. Um, you could see. Ready to take a, a back seat in a sense, give, give, happy to give the ball to James Harden to let him make the decisions and set the offense and get the offense going. And that that's the one thing, Gordon, that you can say about this team. And, and I saw Cleveland trying to trap in the backcourt. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not that's not the way right way to go because any of these guys can handle the ball. That's the one side of the offense that makes them so dangerous that either one of those three can bring the ball up. Yeah, and I, I'm sure it will kind of alternate. Uh, I, I don't get the sense that this is going to be the type of situation where it's going to be Harden's responsibilities, game in, game out, possession in, possession out. It's, I think it's going to kind of flip-flop as time goes along and these guys kind of mesh a little bit and uh, you know they get a little bit more comfortable playing with each other on a regular basis. Yep, I agree with that. Let's go to the phones. Spike is in Jersey. Spike, you're batting leadoff on 987 ESPN. Well, I had to stay up for this one. I told Michael today, good evening, first of all, my friends. I said, what are you going to do? He's so excited to watch the game. I said, it looks like 138, 135. I was looking for Louis Dampier and Artis Gilmore. <laughs> and the red, white, oh, and blue basketball. <laughs> they, they, and, and Drummond didn't even, what did he play, 20 minutes? Or he already rebound. You can't allow Sexton to get uh, – you could play that back if you guys could pull it up. The guarding on that shot, first of all, I'm a believer in fouling the guy, mm-hmm. especially if you're on the road. Let him make the three free throws. Yep. But uh, it, 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 you, that shot, the guy, it was a half-assed attempt to wave at him, and he was old for something. But uh, you can't win games against good teams like this. There's no defense. If you like this kind of stuff, go up to the park and watch them play on Sundays with the guys with the shoes on, Larry. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, you wind up on your rear end. This isn't the good basketball to watch. Look, I understand, Gordon, about Kyrie's first game. Uh, Thibodeau looks like he's uh, giving, what do they call it, when they, uh, when they give you a day off. What's the term? Personal day? No, no, Mental they give you a day, day off. Like load management. Load oh, management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Of course, yeah. the great, great term. Yeah. Load yeah, they, we couldn't come up with something better than load, load management. This was really load management. This was, this was, uh, the, you see the holes there. The, they just duck and chuck. I mean, you can't, you can't win like this. They, they need, they shouldn't have given away. I know it's one game, so I'm not overreacting. But as a Nick fan, watching Thibodeau grind these guys into the ground and praying R.J. Barrett can make a jump shot, you know, it's just watching this chuck and duck, and they get him, they get up in the overtime. You saw the game, the nine weeks from Sundays, they just had to do one thing. They, they couldn't get a rebound, and they couldn't guard anybody. Durant plays defense. Irving and Harden do not play defense. And it's, it's, a, it's a flaw, and I watched the little slipping back. Let me tell you, Philly will beat them right now 7 out of 10. Uh, uh, what are they going to do with Embiid? Yeah. What are they going to do with this guy? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that they're complete. I think that everybody kind of realizes that they're going to have to add pieces Absolutely. to the roster. And I, I and it's going to be, you know, a tweak here, a tweak there. It's not going to be anything major. And, and when buyouts start, I'm sure the Nets are going to be very active there as well. So, I mean, you know, Sexton Well, they need a tonight. big guy. They need a big guy, Gordon. They need yeah. a guy to, to clean the boards up. They, they're getting, they're making, you know, they, they, they shot 50%, you mentioned, Cleveland. And uh, I know, you guys know basketball. You know, I know basketball. I didn't know some of the guys. And Sadie Osman to, 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 to make these shots from 29 feet out. I mean, it was a very poor performance by the Nets. Really, I don't want to hear about it's Kyrie's first game. Well, he was in the 30s. They must have played 150 minutes, these guys. And uh, it's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing loss on the road. Very embarrassing. But I'll listen to the show and get the other feedback. But I'm sure when Buddha calls, he's a Sixer fan. Those Sixers put it to the Celtics. And whenever the Celtics lose, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> Spoken like a veteran Nick fan. All right, Spike, thanks for checking in. 1-800-919-3776. The other thing, Gordon, is, uh, you know, there were some plays. I just don't think that the that – the Nets did really show a lot of energy on the defensive end late in games. They just let guys go. Like, he's not making that shot. Oh, he made it. He's right. not making that three. Oh, God, he made it. And it's just like they just couldn't believe that Cleveland was hitting the three the way they were. And they, they I just think in the back of their mind, Gordon, they always felt we could score to beat them. They're not going to keep hitting the shots that they did. And they did, except for, well, they went through a, a cold spell in the fourth quarter a little bit that helped them pull get back into the game. But otherwise, they were shooting hot all night. Well, I mean, in fairness, in most situations, the other team is not going to hit those shots, right? They're yeah. not going to be 20 or 40 from three-point land. So, uh, you know, I think that they, you know, they, they do have to tighten things up. They have to, things to work on. They got to work on the roster a little bit. But, you know, when you have those three guys who at any point can take over a game, uh, I think offensively, I, I would rather have the great offensive team and try to figure out ways to get some defensive stops rather than having the team that relies on defense but can't throw the ball in the ocean. Yeah, it it, it is a little more. It is less of a problem if you're trying yeah. to score, especially in this league, uh, with as, as dominant and as great as uh, three point shooters there are on various teams. You're right. It, it, it's about trying to score. You can t- tweak your defense a little bit later and. Uh, 
look, let's face it, the, the Nets are going to have to do some some things and they have to do some work and they're going to have to get, get a little bigger up front in depth-wise. And then the other side of it is, you know, with D'Antoni there, Gordon, you always get the feeling they are very comfortable playing small. Mm-hmm. And so DeAndre Jordan only played 20 minutes. DeAndre Jordan could have played a, a bit more and given them a bit more, you know, uh, physicality off the boards. Also, I think it's important, you know, it would be one thing if the, the Nets made the Harden deal a lot closer to the trade deadline, right? And then you're mm-hmm. talking about, okay, now we got to bring in this big piece and make it work. You know, you've basically just started the season. I mean, you're 16 games, 15 games, whatever they are, into the season. So they have a long time to, to kind of work this out because you know they're going to be in the playoffs. You know they're going to be one of the top seeds, if not the top seed in the Eastern Conference. So they got a time to kind of make this work. Uh, it, was not, uh, it was not the greatest of uh, finishes tonight, though. That's no, sure. it was not. It was not. And, and like you said, for me, I think the biggest thing for them, forget about the, you know, the, the big three will work that out. For me, it's the rotation coming off the bench, Gordon. And you mentioned it. That's got to be figured out. If, if Joe Harris is going to be the guy to continue to come off the bench, then who's going to be the first guard off the bench? Who's, who's going to be what? And how long are they going to play? And so that you get your bench players so that they kind of have a rhythm and kind of have an idea, Gordon, as to when they possibly could come in, you know, so that they can you – know, of, of course, you – what what the coaches always tell you? Be ready. Yeah, okay, we know they're ready, but still, you want to have an idea. Okay, when am I coming in? What's going to be the situation? To try to get a little bit of a feel so that your starters and your bench players can build some chemistry with the players that they're going to be on the court with at the same time. And that's something for Steve Nash, a rookie head coach. You know, he's got to he's got to show that uh, in his first year. You know, it's a lot to throw on his plate as well. So, I mean, that to me is a more concerning uh, thing than whether or not the Durant, uh, Harden, and Kyrie thing can work. Is Steve Nash going to be able to push those buttons uh, and kind of have to adjust on the fly? Because I think that the roster is going to be adjusted on the fly. Uh, There's no question about that. Gordon and I and you talking a little bit about the NBA a little later in the show. (laughs) Gordon will tell you why you almost made him throw his Miami Dolphins cup against oh, the I wall. Mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Look, I think Philip Rivers was a fine quarterback. He had a very solid career. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame quarterback, but he, he's a very solid quarterback. Had a very good career. Don't, mm-hmm. don't even blaspheme like that. <laughs> I mean, you have to. Re- I know we, people point this out that, you know, different eras. And different times, games are different, stuff like that. All you need to know is that when Marino set the touchdown passing record for touchdown passes in a season, he set it at 48, I believe it was. I believe the old record was 32. So that's all you need to know, that it went from 32. I believe it was at 46 or 48. I don't remember. My mind is going, but... I mean, to have that, that would be like, you know, Barry Bonds breaking yeah. the home run record. If, yeah. if, if Maguire and Sosa had not existed, you know, going from yeah. 61 to 70 or 73, rather. Exactly. Yeah. No, Marino was tremendous. I mean, he was, I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, he was. He it's was. amazing. Dolphins had the quarterback when it really wasn't about the quarterback. Now that mm-hmm. it's all about the quarterback, they can't find a quarterback. Of course they can't. Well, you know. You had your chance. <laughs> yes, we did. We had a bright, shining star and couldn't put anything around. You know, one more thing before we yes. get back to the calls. Mm-hmm. 
I keep hearing about Deshaun Watson every day and how the Jets have this great package to put together. And mm-hmm. I hear Jet people, or Jet fans mostly, talk about, well, you know, Darnold could be part of the mix. And that that makes it a better offer because Darnold is somehow better than Tua. Tua had a, this is not debatable, Tua had a better rookie season than Sam Darnold did. Now, I know it's been a couple of years for Darnold, and maybe you think he's taken some step forward. I don't know. I, 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 I would be hard-pressed to find that step forward. But there's no question that Tua had a far better rookie season. Now, I'm not talking about how he's going to do you know, next year or his career or anything like that. But just in terms of one year, it's not close. It's not close at all. So uh, that's the one thing that I have a problem with uh, Jet fans talking about Deshaun Watson, that you know, Sam Darnold is going to be a big part of this trade offer. See, I wouldn't include Sam Darnold in the trade. You would or would not? I would not. Yeah. I, I, because I would use him to get some draft choices back. You know, it's almost like Watson could very well find himself in the same position that he's already in. You know, one of the reasons why – now, look, there's the dysfunction angle of it. I, I'm mm-hmm. leaving that aside. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the reason why he's frustrated is because they have not been able to build a good enough team around him. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they have not been able to build a very good team around him is that they traded away their first and second round pick last year. They traded away their first and second round pick this year. So now they've made other trades as well. DeAndre Hopkins obviously was a, a disaster <laughs> of a move there. And <laughs> oh. it wasn't like they got much back for him. But he, I mean, he could, like, if he goes to the Jets or the Dolphins or one of these teams that's, you know, desperate to make a move and they end up trading away three first round draft picks. He could kind of be in the same situation that he's already in. Could be. He could be. But I guess his thought process would be that maybe, maybe ownership is a little better. Because obviously, yeah. well, you know, yeah, the, sure. the ownership well, thing is, is a major thing with him, Gordon. It's yeah, a major and, thing. And the things going on behind the scenes. You yeah. know, Dan Orlovsky, we played the cut, uh, was it yesterday, the day before? Yeah, about, the day before, yeah. Yeah, the, the amount of things going on that people don't even know about. You know, we already know about some of the dysfunction because of that Sports Illustrated article. Yes. So if there's a lot more that's going on that nobody's really saying yet, that tells you that it's not it's not necessarily about the team as much as it is about the franchise. Yeah, it, it's about it's about ownership. That's what it yeah. sounds like because you know, going we get to the calls in a second. You don't go from um, being so happy saying I'm happy that you have faith in me to give me the extension. Yeah, that's to have almost tears in your eyes to. I want out. <laughs> yeah. Something happened. Either either something happened to change it or they told you it was going to change and part of it was the money. You know what I mean? Look, mm-hmm. here's part of it. We here's, You're right. Here's good faith. Here's the extension. And, yes, we will keep you involved more, whatever they promised. And the money's okay, but they didn't fulfill the promises, and that means – much like James Harden, if you're not happy with the money and you still want to go, it, it's it's bigger than that. Yeah, and it's how can you how can you trust the long term promises when right. they couldn't keep the short term ones? Absolutely, absolutely. Back to the phones we go. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey, good evening, guys. <laughs> you know, you know Scott Spike. He's um now he's a scholar and a gentleman. I love Papa Lodge. Because my two points, one was on the Sixers and one was on the enemy. With the Sixers, um, listen, during the summer, there was a debate by summer. Who would you keep and be the Simmons? I think um, people clearly understand. And that's what I told you. I, know, I don't know how long Embiid is going to play, you know, his physical stuff. 
But there's no comparison, man. You're looking at Simmons, man, the same stuff, you know, foul trouble, uh, game becomes half court, you know, uh, he's used to see. He's he, he, more talent, more size than R.J. Barrett, but similar, like similar. You know, you can't shoot. And the position that he plays requires that you be able to shoot sometimes. You're not going to be able to do baby hooks and, and little finger rolls off of um, the backboard in the fourth yeah. quarter of playoff games when it becomes a half-court game. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, be enemy, man. Listen, you know, um, when you hear this stuff about people don't interview well and stuff like that, there needs to be a little bit more clarification there. You know, um, does he not show up on time? Does he not have a hard copy of his resume? Is he wearing dungarees? I mean, like, what is it, man? You know, like, or is it really that he might have a vision of coaching that requires him to have a little bit of more autonomy than maybe some of the owners or general managers would like to give him? You know, it's ridiculous at this point, man. You know, Mark was talking to you the other night, and um, he said something about, you know, should he not watch the games anymore and things like that. And then you said, look, just watch the games and, you know, try to, you know, not let that stuff deter you from enjoying football. But i got to be honest with you, man. You know, I beg to differ a little bit on that. You know, um, if the status quo keeps happening, you know, if, if things stay the same, you know, what is going to be the impetus for change? You know, like, it's ridiculous now. There's no reason you can explain to me that some of the people got jobs that got jobs. Some people got second jobs that got jobs. And this guy doesn't get nothing? Come on. At this point, that, that, that is, there's, there's nothing you can explain to me about that. What is he doing in there? Is he cursing in the interview? I mean, come on. Uh, Buddha, here's the deal, and thanks for the phone call. I don't know what he's doing in these interviews. I don't, I don't know what the criteria is for these interviews. Usually that's just what people say when they just don't want to hire you. And because for me, Gordon, if he's able to articulate what he, his, his plan for what he wants to do, his work is shown on the football field. You can see, yes, we know that Andy Reid had a great influence on him, but he's the one calling the plays. This is not even the situation of, well, you know, Andy Reid calls the plays. No, no Andy, I believe calls Andy Reid calls the plays, though. I believe Andy Reid calls the plays. Now, Biennemi does work with, with Mahomes, and, and Mahomes has been pushing for him to get a job. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, I believe Andy Reid called the plays um, when Matt Nagy was there, too. So uh, that that situation, I believe, is the same. I have to go back and look at Nagy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of calling the plays, I'm, I'm almost positive the enemy does not call the plays. But you would think that being brought up in that Chiefs culture and the success that they've had, even not calling the plays, being part of that coaching staff, mm-hmm. you have had far more success than other people who have been hired. You know what I mean? Like, you know, not to, to call out a name, but just some of the strange hires. Dan Campbell yep. getting hired by the Lions. Uh, I, you know, I, what Dan Campbell was, you know, he had a little run in Miami when they fired Philbin. It doesn't seem like anything else that he's done, it, you know, jumps off the page outside of his personality. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, a big rock, you know, he's, he's the leader of men phrase that people mm-hmm. use. But there's nothing on his resume that would make you sit. If you had those two resumes in front of you, even not calling plays, you would still take Biennemi every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I would. I was under the impression he was calling plays. I I don't believe so. I'll check on it when we get mm -hmm. to the break. But I'm almost positive he does not call plays. But even then, I mean, you know, Pat, one of the reasons why Deshaun Watson wanted him to be interviewed for the Texans was because Patrick Mahomes said, this guy and his influence on me Mm – has had a major impact in my career. That's the, 
that is the number one player in the sport, right? If we were having a draft right now, every player is available. Everybody wants Patrick Mahomes. And yep. Patrick Mahomes was not the number one pick in the draft. He was the 10th pick in the draft. And some people thought he was a reach there. So for him to become this, you know, $50 million a year player, uh, I think that you have to kind of rely on that. And I think that Deshaun Watson was relying on that. So, you know, for him to only get, you know, basically what seems like a sympathy interview after the whole situation with the Texans blew up. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the only place where he, I don't believe, I believe he interviewed with everybody else during this coaching cycle. And for him still seven jobs open. This guy has been around the block uh, once or twice here for him not to get a job. It seem, it does seem very, very odd. It seems it very, very odd. It does. It, it really does. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard to believe it's, it's hard to figure out why Gordon. It, and, yeah. and, you know, and I'm always leery of the, he doesn't interview well. Cause I, cause much like, Buddha, I don't understand right. what that means when yeah. he says he doesn't, inter- I, I, I don't, I don't get that, you know, cause his work, his work stands out. <laughs> yeah. I you mean, know. he's part, you know, he's part of the, 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 I know they're not as as much of a juggernaut this year as they were last year, but he's part of the best offense in the league. He works directly with the best quarter, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That should be enough after being, uh, you know, again, around the block a few times. So it's very odd. Now, I do think that it could be different reasons, different times. Like the Lions thing, I just think the Lions are dumb. I mean, you know, we brought it up the other day. The Lions have never been good. And to hire Dan Campbell, who might turn out to be fantastic, we shall see. I'm skeptical. Uh, that one, I think it's just a, a, a poorly run organization. But for him to strike out in all situations, multiple years now, I would, I would like for someone to get out there and say, you know what, this is why we decided not to hire him. Yeah. It, it would be. And you're hoping that maybe one of these organizations, for whatever reason it is, if it's a legitimate thing, that when they tell him he's not getting the job, they tell him, okay, this is why we did not feel that you were right here. But Mm -hmm. it does seem very, very odd. It does. Hey, Gordon. Larry, (laughs) I came up with the clarification. Dan Campbell was the Saints tight ends coach. Oh, baby. As well as being the assistant head coach. Mm -hmm. So that's something, that assistant head coach title, which in the past it feels like it was just a bone you throw to somebody. Yes. It does seem like teams have kind of relied on that. I know Brian Flores was the uh, assistant, I think, head coach or something in New England or something like that, or he had some Mm -hmm. title like that. More teams have kind of seen that as a way to, uh, you know, that coaches are more prepared to be head coaches when they've had that title for a while. But, I mean, I think the Campbell one – is a is a very odd hire in uh, Detroit, but uh, in terms of Eric Bieniemy, he he does he's not the primary play caller. Reed is the primary play caller, although he does play uh, call plays uh, in certain situations. We don't really know what that is, but it's the same situation with Matt Nagy. And mm-hmm. I never heard you know as much about Matt Nagy not being the primary play caller in uh, Kansas City. He was the offensive coordinator too. So I didn't hear that much uh, brought up about Matt Nagy when he got hired by the Bears. So I agree. Here's what I know, Gordon, is I take Eric Bieniemy over Matt Patricia. <laughs> yes, yes. And I would remember, take him over Matt Patricia. And remember before he got hired, when they went to the Super Bowl, all the articles about him being a rocket scientist, basically. Right. He's like this genius. Oh, he was. Yeah, I've not seen that many. Uh, I've not seen that many articles about the rocket science lately, though. No, I haven't either, and um, I, I think the rocket has left the building. Yes, <laughs> along with he him. was. 
I think he was the worst of the Belichick coaches to try to pull the Belichick act. Yes. You know, he really kind of – he went full bore with the stupid pencil behind the ear and yeah. just being standoffish at every turn. Yep. And he was a disaster. I mean, his record in the fourth quarter, oh, my God. I, I can't remember brutal. the exact numbers. But he was brutal in fourth quarters with leads. He was. He was awful. And because – and I think Joe Judge understands it – is that you can – it's okay for you to have that philosophy. And why wouldn't you? Because he's won. He's got rings. He's got hardware. But you have to be yourself. You, you can't be an impersonation of him. You can follow what he does. You can take the philosophy, Gordon, but you have to be yourself. And I think that's what Joe Judge is. Joe Judge is you, – you can see the influence of, you know, of what Belichick has, but he's himself. It's the yeah, same mistake that Mangini made. Right? It's the Remember, same mistake like, the Mangini fumble made. drill that he yes. did during training camp and, you know, yes. just the little different things where – he shows you, you know, wearing the – I can't remember what player it was, but their, their team beat Mississippi State, so he had to wear the other team's gear. You know, he does some fun things to kind of keep it, yep. you know, it's not all hammering nails into a board. Absolutely. Back to the phones. Johnson Freehold. Hey, John, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Hey, Gordon. Hope you guys are staying hey, safe and staying on? healthy. We're doing good, John. How are you? Well – I'm better than I was a week ago Thursday, Larry. Unfortunately, my family and I tested positive for COVID-19, and we're in recovery right now. And uh, I lost my uncle to this terrible disease a month ago. So it's been hard-hitting times here at home, but uh, we're making the most of it. It looks like we're going to be out of the woods and be okay. So thank God for that. And uh, I I just hope that you guys and all your listeners, I just hope that you guys, your families, and all the other listeners and families out there, please be careful and stay safe. And don't get, you know, don't get this thing because it's horrible. I heard somebody reference yesterday that we're in the post-pandemic period. I almost hit the floor, Larry. I mean, this, we're, we're far from in the clear with this. We're far from out of the woods. It's a real problem. And uh, we lost more than five times the amount of people that we lost on 9-11. And we're continuing to lose people, unfortunately. And uh, not, enough done, not enough has been done, Larry, as you know, when you've, 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 as you've heard. And... Uh, these frontline essential workers, I'm sorry, Th- uh, thank you is not good enough anymore, uh, guys. You know, and I'm not talking just about the nurses and the doctors that are doing yeoman's work out there, but I'm talking about all these frontline essential workers that are providing us with all the essential items and services that we need to get through this thing. Like your folks at Target and your folks at Walmart and your folks at Shoprite and uh, these poor Amazon employees in the uh, warehouses and over at uh, Wayfair. You know, they're not getting hazard pay. They're not getting enough uh, monetary uh, re- recognition or, or uh, rewarding. And uh, that's something that's got to improve going forward. Uh, talking about this uh, Nets game tonight, you guys know I'm a big Knicks fan, and I'm very proud of the way our team's played this year. I just worry about the amount of minutes that guys are get playing on the floor, that they're going to kind of get run down and burnt out and uh, injured. I hope that's not going to be the case. I hope they continue to develop and grow and uh Give us a you know a fun season, but with this Nets game tonight, guys, I'm watching. You know, very lackadaisical effort, as Clyde would say. Not a whole lot of fire and desire. Not any defense. Uh, just didn't seem like they really cared out there. They were just you know going through the motions out there, and it annoyed me seeing Kyrie Irving laughing and smiling as much as he did. And I caught the uh, after game press conference with him tonight, 
And he went on to admit that he was smiling and he was laughing a lot on the court tonight because uh, that's all he could do in watching uh, uh, the, the kid Sexton explode on the court and, 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 and kill them tonight. I mean, and, and then there was a point, I don't know if you guys caught it, there was another point where they were going to, uh, coming off a timeout in the, in the overtime period. I don't remember if it was the first, I believe it was the first overtime period, and Mike D'Antoni tried to get a hold of Kyrie Irving and convey a message to him, and he just totally blew him off and walked away from him and ignored him at that point. Mm. I mean, this guy's just off, guys. I'm sorry. He's just off. He's just different. I don't know how to explain it, but... Gordon and I had many conversations regarding Kyrie Irving when he was a free agent, and there was talk about the Knicks, and Gordon and I were in concert and saying that we didn't want the guy. I mean, there's just something wrong with this guy, and he, and he, and he hasn't even gotten injured yet. You know, he's got a long injury history. Yes. Yeah. So now you're waiting for the next shoe to drop in that regard. So it was, it was nice to watch the game tonight, but uh, I don't know. I think this team has issues going forward. I think Kyrie Irving's their main issue, but they're also going to have to enhance that roster and add to it because they don't rebound well enough. They don't defend enough. They don't have those uh, lunch pail kind of guys, those gritty guys. They just don't have it on the team right now. You're right, John. And listen, thanks for the phone call. You and your family continue to be safe and, and get well soon. And, uh, you know, Gordon, they, look, they know they have to make some changes, and they understand that, and we've talked about their bench. But, you know, listen, uh, they're going to be in a unique situation if you look at how the team went and how they played when he wasn't there the two games with Harden and Durant. And you see how they played today. And you're like, huh, do we want to – what are we going to do here? Are we going to – what do we do? <laughs> what do yeah. we do if this continues? That That's going to be the question. Do you, like, wait for him? Do, do you cut his minutes? Because here's the thing. Because you're not sure how he's going to respond, you're kind of limited in what you in your options on how to deal with him. Yeah. I think you're kind of limited because, uh, for better or for worse, I think that the, the, the stars run the show there. So, you know, for Steve Nash – he knew what he was getting into when he signed up for it. He had to have. Uh, I think that there are decisions clearly that he makes as the head coach. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine even before Kyrie went off uh, and and took some personal time that he would have had the the the, the you know gravitas to be able to tell Kyrie Irving, okay, you're going to sit down for a little. while. You know, I think that if you want to talk about ways where it could blow up. That's the way it could blow up because I think the reason why Steve Nash was hired was because he was going to give Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and now James Harden kind of the lay of the land, and and he will be allowed to coach as much as they allow him to coach. Yeah, and that's a tough way to make a living, my friend. Yes. Well, look, it's you know the check's still cash, right? So yeah. and and they do have a talented team, and I think that they will get it together. You know. Look, more times than not, being able to outscore the other team, you'll win a lot of games that way, even if you don't stop that many people. So uh, I think that they're going to be fine. But, you know, look, there are, there are issues, right? They, they're, not, they're not ready-made right now. No, they clearly aren't. OJ's in Elizabeth. Hey, OJ, you're next on 98.7. Guys, good evening. How's it going? Hopefully you guys are staying safe in the middle of uh, everything that's been going on. Um, you guys, uh, a lot of uh, touched on a lot of what I wanted to talk about in the show, but, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, was really concerning tonight, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that Nash doesn't start, you know, falling into, you know, the D'Antoni style of coaching and, and, and you know, the, the offense wins everything and we can, you know, we can just say, you know, uh, let's skip the defense and just hope we can, you know, outscore everybody every night. 
but in a double overtime loss to Cleveland, when your bench gives you, in, in a double overtime game, 10 points, 10 points off the bench in a double overtime game, that's absurd. You're literally talking about more than an hour of basketball and your bench and the way that you play your rotation, regardless, you know, having this big three. And we saw, you know, how how different big threes have made it work throughout, you know, the course of the last, you know, decade and a half in the NBA. And for you, even if it's the first game back, to, to not have the wherewithal to figure out something where you can get more bench efficiency than 10 points in a double overtime loss to a Cleveland team that really, you know, they really shouldn't have been in this game to begin with. But it's a little mind-numbing just to really watch. Uh, unfortunately, Steve Nash kind of falling into this Mike D'Antoni type of mentality of coaching, it seems, pretty early on. Well, OJ, a couple of things, and thanks for the phone call. A, how could he not? B, he played for him when he was in the NBA. So And C, he's on the bench with him. So I'm sorry, there's going to be a heavy uh, Mike Antony, because he doesn't play D, uh, uh, influence in the, on, 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 uh, on, um, you know, on the coach, on Nash. The other point is Perry played 11 minutes, TLC played 12 minutes, and Brown played 7 minutes. Right, take away minutes. Harris. Right. Yeah, take in away Harris. Harris was... game. To me, that's the bigger issue. It's not exactly. the points. It's the minutes. Yeah. I mean, other than Harris is the guy that played, made all right. the points. He He's the one that hurt them because he got, you know, he normally scores better than 42 in 42 minutes. He'll give you much more than that. But it's the fact that he did not go to the bench that long. That was the issue. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.